Okay, we are in Ephesians, and we're answering or asking the questions, who do we think we are? This is week number 82, and so we're excited. No, it's week number eight. Eight. It's week number eight, people. But um, today, you know, we've been talking a lot about unity in the church. We've been talking about the importance of unity in the church. We've been talking about Paul saying that this is a family. This is how we need to act as a family for us to become who we're created to be and for the church to be. And we talked about how we are a block in the temple. And as the temple grows, we are blessed. Well, in this section of scripture, it's really cool. Paul talks about, in the midst of being unified, the importance of being diversified, okay? That it's in our diversity that we strengthen our unity, okay? And so I'm gonna kind of go through that and explain what he means. I'm gonna stick to my notes a little more today because there is a lot in this section of scripture. I wanna begin with a story though. You know, whenever you're little or you have children that are little, and you play a sport, or you're wanting to play a sport, you are generally good at everything, right? You, you, if you're an athlete, or you're, if you're gifted, you have good hand-eye coordination, you know, and you start playing soccer, you're good at soccer, right? You're like one of the best players in soccer. And you can play goalie, you can play front, you can play defense, and you can kind of play every, every position. And then, you know, same with baseball, or same with any, any kind of sport. And uh, as you get older, what happens? Well, as you get older, you start to realize areas of athletics or areas of, of strengths that you're really good at, right? And you're surrounded by people who are also really good at what they do. And the older you get, the more you mature, the stronger you get in that area. And the more narrow you become, you become more and more focused on that gifting or that strength or that ability because... Because you've realized like, man, I'm really good with this and I really contribute to the team whenever I function in this role. But you're also surrounded as you get older with other people on the team that are really gifted and really strong in what they do. And you realize, well, I'm not as, I'm not as strong as I thought I was in that area. And so as a team, they become strong as each individual player is unified playing in position in a way, in their strength, so that as they come together, they are strong. They are unified as a team. And so the unity or strength of the team is achieved by the diversity of their players when they play their role. Okay? You know where I'm going with this, right? The church is the exact same way, right? The church is the exact same way. We all have been gifted with gifts. We all have been gifted by the Spirit with gifts And the strength of the church lies in us playing the role that we've been called to play. And the same thing happened. Whenever we were a young church, whenever we first started, there were like, you know, a handful of us doing everything. I was printing bulletins. I was playing on the worship team. I was speaking in the life course. I was teaching prayer ministry training. There was a season where I was preaching or teaching 27 times a month. It was insanity. It was crush dominating me and everyone around me. So what happened though, as we got older, we brought gifted people into the church. Gifted people came into the church. I realized like, man, 
I'm really, this is the area that I'm supposed to be growing in, that I'm supposed to be strengthening in. And, and as people came on, they realized, well, this is the area that I'm supposed to be doing. So Martha, she starts preaching the prayer ministry course, right? And someone else starts preaching or teaching in other areas, starts leading city groups. As we start growing, people start to use their gifts. We see ministry teams start and to grow and, and, and doing ministry. We have prophetic ministries rise up, right? We have this, the dream tank or the dream team where they're, where they're coming together. I, I, I barely dream because I barely sleep. And so that was like just an absent ministry in the church. You know, Lori comes along, she's gifted in this, and she begins to just rise up and strengthen us in that area. And so we become, and our, we become, as we are unified together, and I'm going to teach about this, in Christ, as we are unified, we grow and we become stronger as we individually grow and strengthen in our gifts, right? We had a picture before, we were praying before, this person didn't know what I was teaching on, and they said, I just see this picture, when they were praying for the service, I see this picture of um, a blender, and it was like a kitchen aid blender, and she, sees, and she said, I see all these ingredients going into this blender, these different ingredients going into this blender, and they're getting blended up to make this amazing cake that smells good, that tastes good, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about, right? So there is this melting pot within River City Church. And on our own, we might be strong, we might be gifted, but it's only as we come together and our strengths and our diversity that we make something greater that we could ever make on our own. The greater our diversity, the more we reflect the fullness of the glory of God. You see, each one of you were created in the image of God. Each one of you is unique, is, is, is fearfully and wonderfully made. But when you try to be someone else, when you try to operate outside of your gifting, you like say, oh man, I want to do that. It's at the expense of your strength. And when you don't operate out of your strengths, what happens to the body? The body is weakened. The body is weakened. And I'm going to explain, you know, what happens in that so you don't start feeling guilty or like, I'm weakening the body. I'm horrible. I'm slowing everyone down. But we weaken our team when we end up playing out of position. You've seen that. You've seen that, right? When they have to, like, take a wide receiver and make him a quarterback because three, quarters got, three quarterbacks got, you know, hurt. What do they do? They have to run, 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 run. And the team can't win. The team is weakened by this person who's playing out of position. And the same true, same is true for us. This is a slide I have that says this really well. It was in a book by Mark Hirsch or something. I forget the name of it. It says this. The church breaks down as a body when there's disunity among the parts. That is why Paul has been teaching on the importance of unity. But the church also slows down when the parts of the body are not strong and functioning in the way they were created to function. When, when each part of the body operates at peak and harmonizes with the other components, the whole system or the church is enhanced and benefits from synergy or collaboration, okay, where the result is greater than the sum of the individual parts. That's, that's how we're created to operate, right? That, that we become something greater. We become something more powerful. We become something that is crushing the enemy when we, in unity around Christ, come together in our diversity and become who God's called us to be and strengthen us in our gifts. In this passage, this is what Paul's teaching about. It's such a great passage. It's packed 
with a, a gajillion topics that I could teach on. But because we've been talking about unity, I want to teach on this particular idea of us in our diversity strengthening the church. Okay? Here it is. This is in the NIV because I feel like the translation worked a little better. And so if you have an ESV, um, you can get it out. If you have a Bible, you can get it out. If you don't have a Bible, they're in the back of the chairs. You can take that home with you. You can take it home with you, sell it on eBay. We don't care. We just want you to have a Bible. We want you to take a Bible. We love the Bible at RCC. The Bible informs us of how we are called to live in Christ. That's why we've been in Ephesians. Because the Bible is the universal truth that informs us about how to walk out our salvation, how to come to salvation. The Bible fully, fully explains, and it can be trusted in that way. And so, get a Bible, okay? If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. If you need one, take one of ours. Okay, here we go, verse seven, Ephesians 4, 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ made himself, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, we just ask that you would come, that you would send your spirit, you open our hearts, and that you would reveal, like, what is the peace? What is the ingredient I am in this beautiful thing that you've created called your bride? You show us, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to show us, open our minds to the truth, and lead us uh, into your presence. Amen. Okay, so this, this passage, the bottom line is, is that he, he shows us, this is what it looks like to be a mature church, and this is what it looks like to be an immature church. What kind of church do we want to be? We want to be a mature church. We want to be a church that is strong. And he defines what an immature church is, okay? He says, you'll no longer, you know, you'll be an infant. You're tossed back and forth by the waves. You're blown here and there by all crazy kinds of teaching and the craftiness of deceitful scheming, okay? So there's this picture that in immaturity, we're just like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to go follow that. Oh, yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds good. That makes me feel good. So that must be the truth. Okay, but there's this imagery that Paul's creating of like this rocking around and us not being grounded in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Okay, not growing in love, which is what we're getting ready to look at, truth and love, okay? And so the picture, I kind of, you remember whenever the disciples were with Christ in the storm, 
And they were being tossed back and forth. They had no control of what was happening. And they were fearful. Why? Because they were not grounded in the truth of who Jesus Christ was. They were not grounded. Like, who is Christ? If I knew who Jesus Christ was, if they knew who Jesus Christ was, they were grounded in Jesus Christ, they would not have been afraid. They would not have been. They physically would have been rocking back and forth, but they would not have had the fear and the worry they did in the midst of the storm. That's immature. Mature is, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head of Christ. Now, this is an interesting, interesting piece right here because often we think speaking the truth in love. And so people use this to justify crushing you with Scripture, right? So people come up to you and they say, Dude, man, that, what you just did... That is jank. You just, you violated the third, fourth, and fifth commandment? Are you serious? And and, and I'm saying this, why? Because I love you. Because I love you. And we kind of have this mantra, but that's not even what this says. The word here for truth is actually a verb. And so what it means is as we speak and we're truthing in love with one another, we will be strengthened to the fullness of Christ. Okay, and so the idea here of this truthing in love, it talks about covenantal relationship. That as we are joined together in the body of Christ and we have integrity and we have honesty in relationship and we are loving each other and we're being honest and truthful in our relationships, we're honoring each other, all these things, that that is what Christ is talking about and that we will be built up in Jesus Christ. We will be strengthened in Jesus Christ. And that's what a mature church looks like. Speaking and living the truth in love is both a means of growth and the result of growth. As we live in the truth in love in Christ and express these qualities to each other in the world, we become more closely attached to Christ and more like him. Okay, so we are truthing in love. And when we do that, we become closer to Christ as we love others closer to Christ. And this is what we're, we've been talking about this. Paul's been talking about this. You know, as we draw close to Christ and become who we are, the church and other people in the church become who they are. Okay. This is, this is one of the examples that Paul gives about this, about this idea of diversity and unity. He says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all its members of the body... Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Think about how diverse your body is. Every cell, every, everything, ligament, blood vessel, you know, heart, parts of your heart. There's a gajillion parts of your body, right? Some of them you see, some of them you don't see. But what happens? One of these parts get jacked up and it affects the whole body, right? Unless it's your appendix. Take it out and it's gone, (laughs) right? Take it out and it's gone. What's that for? We probably find out in heaven. It's probably really important. It's like brings us the spiritual death. It's like where the Holy Spirit was, right? We just take it out. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's not probably correct, okay? 
But Paul says, what if, what if we all wanted to be a heart? What if we all wanted to be a lung? What if we all wanted to be a hand? What if we all wanted to be an eye? Where would the body be? We wouldn't be unified. We wouldn't be operating within our strength and our diversity, and the body would suffer. Paul starts this in, in verse 7 and sets us up in this way. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, this word for grace here is not saving grace. It's grace to function in the role that we've been created to function in. And Paul could have written this word grace means ministry. And so what he's saying is, in this, in this verse, he's saying each one has been given a ministry or gifts as Christ apportioned it. Okay? Now, we've heard this language before, right? As the Spirit desires, he pours out the gifts to who he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. Again, in Romans 12, that's one of the verses that Paul uses to explain the same concept. Very, very clear. But every single person, every single one of us, has been apportioned a gift or a ministry by Jesus Christ so that we can contribute and strengthen the church. And when it talks about apportioned here, some of us think this, and this is a lie from the enemy. Christ has apportioned to me a measure of grace. Or, and again, in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, it says that it talks about the spirit who apportioned to each individual, individual as he wills. Now, what do we, when we hear that, we think, oh man, oh man, Billy Graham, he got lots of grace. He burns through grace like a 747 burns through fuel. I mean, he's got so much gay, so much gifting, and we think, and I got this little bit. I just got this little bit. Woe is me. How can I function like this? And so what do we do? We pull back. We operate out of fear. We believe this lie, but that's not what it says. What it says is, it says this, that all of us have been given grace as Christ has apportioned it. All of us have been given gifts, unique gifts, individual gifts as Christ sees it fit. The same thing with the Holy Spirit's talking. I've given you this as I've apportioned it to who I want, when I want, how I want, so that in your strength, you strengthen the body. You make the body full. You make the body whole. Right? And, and, and this is the same language Paul, Paul's talked about. How does this happen? Because we are one in the Spirit. We are one together, unified in the church by the same Spirit, but with different gifts, with different strengths. Okay, so we get these gifts. You know, in, in Ephesians 3.18, someone came up to me today and said, it's all of God's holy children that he desires to know the height, the depth, the length, the width of his love. That's his desire, that we all would know this reality about Christ so we can become who all of us, who we can, holy children, who we can become. Okay, so we have these gifts given to us, right? We have gifts, woe, grace, and ministry. Why? Why, why, why? We see this in verse 7, that we are given gifts. Each one of us has been given grace. So gifts are given to all of us. But in verse 11, we see this, that people are also given as gifts or grace to the church. This is a slide. Verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up. So this is cool, isn't it? So as we receive grace, as we receive gifts, we become grace to the church. We become a gift to the church. And so this is what it's saying. is Christ has formed you, created you unique, given you gifts 
and then giving you to the church so that you can strengthen the church. If the church can become who she's created to be. And the stronger you get in your ministry or your role, the more unified and stronger the church gets. If you are a teacher, then teach. If you are an apostle, then apostle. If you're a prophet, then prophesy. As you grow in your gifting, the whole church will grow. As you grow, others grow around you. You strengthen the church. You strengthen each other. Remember, when I talk about church, what's the church? We are the church. We are the church. We strengthen each other. And so Paul's saying, you need to be serious about what gift is given to you. You need to be intentional to be growing in these gifts so that you can be a strength of the church. But there are times, aren't there, where we're weak, where we struggle, where we falter. Those are normal seasons. But the church, together, as a unified body, we see that, right? And in your weakness, it says we become strong. This is what God's talking about there. This is what Paul's talking about. In our weakness, the church in its unity, he, he raises up people who have been, he's been working on, and they carry the person who is weak. We celebrate together. We rejoice together. We're singing this mountain. I just had this, we're singing this song. We just had this, this picture. When we climb this mountain, when our hands wide open. Climb this mountain, when our hands wide open. Right? And I had this picture of why are our hands wide open? Why are our hands wide open? We're climbing this mountain together. What's that about? We're climbing together in this faith. We're climbing together as a church. And there are times our hands are wide open because Christ comes and he says, here's your brother or sister. You need to carry them up the mountain. And Christ is with us, strengthening us, but it's in our strength and our honing and our skills that we can hold our hands open, that we can carry our brothers and sisters. And there are times where they carry us. And so this is what he's talking about as we strengthen, as we strengthen our gifts, we strengthen each other. And as we strengthen each other, we become more unified as a body and as a church so that whenever one of us struggles, we and our strength can carry them. We and our strength can carry them. You have been given gifts so that you can be a gift to the church. I mean, have you ever thought about that? That you are a gift that Christ has given to the church. All, every one of you is a gift that Christ has given to the church. There is no one like you. There's no one who brings your gifting. There's no one who brings your talents the way that you do. There's no one that blesses the Father the way that you bless the Father. There's no one. You are like a key to his heart. And you turn and, and you, you give him and you bless him in a way that nobody else can in the world. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing that we, the creator of the universe, would be blessed by us. Verse 16 wraps us all together. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is what Paul's saying in this verse that kind of wraps this up. He says, the whole body, okay, from him, the whole body or the church is held and knit together by Christ, who is the ligament. And other, other translations say the joint we are all connected and unified by. Okay, so the whole body is held together, knit together by Christ, 
as we love in truth, as we're truth and loving, right? It grows, the whole church body, as we're knit together in Christ, grows and builds itself up in love. But it only happens, this last little piece, as each and every part does its work. The church is only built up as each and every part does its work. Now, that's, that's amazing. That's a, but it, some of you are like, what? You're like, God's trusting me with this? Yeah, you're God's plan A, right? You are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. You are God's plan A that he has called, he has created before the creation of the world for good works for you to do, to strengthen in your diversity, to edify the church as we love each other, as we each participate in the areas of gifting that we've been called to. So this is the question you should be asking. What's my gift? What's my strength? What, what do I bring to the church? That's, I want, that's where I want to end is what is that? What is it? What is the gift that you bring? And this is not about guilt and shame, right? This is about excitement and opportunity, and you're awesome, you're God's plan A, and Christ is giving you this, and he's so excited that he's created you this way, and he loves when you operate in your gifting. He loves it. He loves the way that you bless the Father. He loves the way that you build up the church. You know, one day, Jesus will ask me, and I'll ask you, Antley, Antley, how do you use your gifts I've given you to build up the church? That's going to happen. Scripture tells us that that will happen. We will be with Christ, and we will face him. We will be with him, and he will ask us, and he will show us, and he will. I don't know what all that's going to look like, okay? But there will be a time when we face Christ, and we will be accountable for all that we've done and all that we haven't done. And some of us, like, hear that, and they're like, I'm going to burn at the depths of hell. (laughs) I hope I'm even there. I hope I see the pearly gates. But again, this isn't guilt-driven. This is opportunistic. You know, I think when, whenever we, we come before Christ and we are asked that question and our life is reviewed somehow, we're in heaven where we know there's no guilt, we know there's no shame, we know that we've been wrapped in righteousness, we know that we have been clothed in Jesus Christ. We come before him and he just embraces us. He loves us and we have some knowing about opportunities missed. We have some knowing about gifts not used. We have some knowing and understanding of what we could be or could have been or, or how we messed up. And what does he do? What does he do? He, he, he just says, I'm not interested in that, Antley. You are clothed in righteousness. We see it. We know it. It's gone. But tell me about the story that you told. Tell me about the amazing things that happened on earth that you did to build up my church. And he wants to hear about the good things. He wants to reminisce with you about the power, the the excitement, and the things, because he was watching you, great call of witnesses cheering for you. What happens after a baseball game? You have a kid playing a baseball game or a soccer game. You have a girl playing a sport, rowing or something, or motorcycle driving or, you know, ping pong. I don't know. But they finish playing their game, right? And you say, hey, how did it go? You know how it went because you're watching them. But you say, how did it go? And what do they start doing? They start bragging, oh man, I was awesome. I did this, I did this, I did that. And you're like, you're thinking, oh bro, you didn't do that. Do you say that? No. You're like, I know, that was incredible. 
You are awesome. That was amazing. You are just, I can't believe you could do that. It was like you're a phenom, right? And then you might say, I know, but I, I missed that kick. I missed that goal. I, I missed that ball or whatever. And what, what do you do as a parent? <laughs> no, it's nothing. We all, don't worry about that. Let's keep talking about what's amazing that you did in the game, right? That's what's going to happen in heaven. That's what I believe the Father, the loving Father, Jesus Christ, because here's the thing. He is glorified in our brokenness, right? He's glorified. It says that he will hold us up in glory. And so even in the midst of our brokenness, he is glorified. We are glorified with him. And he wants to hear so much as your Father, so much as your Savior, how you played, how you executed the gifts he has given you, how you contributed because he was watching you and he knows and it brought him joy and it blessed the Father. So how do we do this? Well, we have this gifts course going on right now. We have this gifts course going on right now. If you missed the first week, I encourage you to go to the second, third, fourth, right? And we're talking about prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers. We're talking about figuring out what is your gift so that you can use it in the church, so that the church can be edified, right? So the church can grow and strengthen, and you can become who God's created you to be. You can figure out this is your area. This is the thing you are uniquely gifted for, that God has made you for. That's one thing you can do. The other thing you can do is just that God will fulfill the desires of your heart. In Psalm 8, I think, Psalm 8. And, uh, and, and what I think this means is that the desires of our heart that he has given us, he will fulfill. And the desires that God would give us are not, are not of the world and not of our flesh. And so what's happened with each of us is the spirit who lives inside of you. God has given gifts already. And he's beginning to work them out. So I would say this, what are you excited about? What brings you life? What part of the kingdom do you enjoy participating in and playing in? Well, that is the first place that you should begin because that is evidence of the spirit working your life, spirit working your life, and God showing you, this is what I've designed you for. This is you playing in position. This is how you strengthen the church. And no matter, this is the only qualification, is it blesses other people. It blesses other people. Now, there's things that we do that draw us close to Christ, that are between intimacy, between us and Christ, but when we use our gifts, we know it's for the edification of the body. It's for the edification of the body. So, so what are you doing? What do you love doing in your life right now that brings life and hope and joy to someone else? That is, that is a hint, a hint of the area that God's calling you to grow in. And it says, you know, when he's given prophets, he's given apostles, he's given all these things. It's not like there's these top apostles and prophets, right? And their call is to teach everyone. That's not what it says. He says that everyone has been gifted. And as you grow in your apostleship, as you grow in your teaching, as you grow in these areas, what happens? You gift the rest of the body. You gift the rest of the body. And so, who do we think we are? Each of us. Each of us is a gift to the church. You are a gift that Christ has created to be a blessing to the church. Let's stand.